Today is the final part of our good news series, looking at the gospel. And the title I've been given is Advance the Gospel. And it's, it's really easy for me to stand up here and quote something like Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. But if we're honest, evangelism, you know, sharing the gospel, it's a bit harder than that, isn't it? You know, you want to make a Christian feel awkward. Ask him about his prayer life or his evangelism. You'll see the look in his face. Now, today is, I'd say, about sharing the gospel. And I'm not up here because this is something I'm amazing at, or I've got all the answers, or I've got this script that I'm going to read out and we can all use. And to prove that, I thought, I shared a story of the first time I tried to share the gospel and how it went so wrong. So this is going back to 2011. I'd only been a Christian a few months and I went with a group from this church to Holland to visit another church. And we was there, and there was a guy called Lex, and he's so passionate. I mean, really passionate about evangelism, sharing the gospel with anyone and everyone. And at the end of it, he turned around, and he was like, right, now it's your turn. What I want you to do is take these cards. We've got the address of the church on the back. Go into the streets of Holland. Tell people about Jesus and invite them to the service. I mean, I was in a city that I didn't know. They spoke a language. I, did. I mean, I struggle with English, but they spoke a language I didn't speak. It was raining, you know, like proper character building time. So, I mean, we was walking around for about an hour trying to stop people. Because you can imagine, imagine you're in London and some Dutch guy is trying to stop you in the rain. You just feel like, get out of my way. And in the end, I turned around to the guy I was with and said, look, can we just go to the pub opposite the church? Because we can just start a conversation with someone. And he was like, yeah, all right, let's do that. So we went in the, in the pub, and this guy had just ordered his pints. I was like, oh, sweet. So I stood next to him, I ordered two pints. I was like, how you doing? I'm Frank, I'm from London. Do you live around here? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, great, easy way in. I pulled out the card, and I was like, do you know where this address is? I could literally see it out the window. <laughs> and he looked at it, he must have seen the word church. He was like, nah, man, I don't know where that is. <laughs> I looked at him, and I could see it, I was like, are you sure like, you don't know where this is? He was like, no. And then I just went for it. I mean, I was like, look, because I'm over here from London visiting a church and Jesus has broken into my life. It's so amazing. Like, without Jesus, you know, we've all sinned. We've all messed up. And without God, we just can't do anything. And I paused for breath. No joke, he picked up his pint and downed it in one. I've never seen someone do that before. He literally just downed it in one and walked out. The problem was, there was no conversation. I wasn't listening. I was just speaking at him, and I scared him off. So there's not how to share the gospel. <laughs> so now we're going to look at how we do share the gospel. Now, over the last three weeks, we've looked at what the gospel is, how we're changed by it, and how we grow in it. Now we turn our attention to how we advance the gospel. In other words, how we tell people about Jesus. Now, picture it like this. If we was in a desert, dying of thirst, and we come across this never-ending supply of water, what would we do? You know, would we always make sure that we've got a drink? Or would we want to share that with other people dying at first? It says in John 7.38, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, it doesn't say that rivers of living water will be stored up. It says flows out. Sharing the gospel has got nothing to do with our circumstances, our money, our health. The good news of Jesus is sometimes when we share it, we're taking our minds away from the here and now and putting it on eternity. The reality is until Jesus broke into our lives, 
we didn't realize that we was also in the desert, dying of thirst, and we would have more than likely just been happy building sandcastles because that's what the world says to us. So don't be surprised or offended that when we share this water, this good news with other people, they also don't realize how much it is good news. The mission of God is one of the great themes throughout the Bible. God's mission began with creation. You know, he created Eden and he wanted mankind to live in it and reflect his goodness. And he wanted us to add more people. And that's why the first words he says to mankind in Genesis 1.28, he says, go forth and multiply. You know, he wants to add more people into this plan. But then Genesis 3 tells us that man just messed it up. And we let sin enter the world. But that didn't stop God's plans. Genesis 12 tells us that he says to Abraham, I'm choosing you and your family so that you might be a blessing for all nations of the world. So that more people might be added into this family, into this plan. The Bible tells us the rest of the story of a a God who reaches out to us. Because he wants more and more people added. Then Jesus arrives. It's like the pinnacle of God's plan. Because through Jesus... It's people from every tribe and every tongue can be added into the family and be made right with God. And just as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends us, John 21, and right before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he commissions his disciples. You know, he tells them to go out and make disciples of all nations. It's the same thing he tells us today. It's about adding more and more people, spreading this good news. The church doesn't have a mission the mission of God has a church that's what we get caught up in that's what we're involved in but if we look at that for a second these disciples they've been with Jesus for the last three years they've been watching him hearing him seeing what he's doing and then Jesus says to them go he doesn't say look you've heard my words you know my teachings you've seen Everything you need to see. Look, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will remain with you. All you need to do is find yourself a pretty little building, meet every week, just keep it to yourself. He doesn't say that because the church isn't a building. The church is the people living as the body, sharing their lives, their time, their love for God together, living with an urgency, wanting to see more people come to know Jesus. Sharing the gospel is not just what we do, it's who we are. But what are the hindrances? You know, why do we find this life-changing mission so hard? Is it fear? You know, fear of what people think, fear that we don't know enough, fear that we're not getting people's approval or acceptance. This comes back to knowing who we are in Christ. To not feel pressured to look around and, and see what they're doing. It's who we are. Timothy 1 verse 7 says... For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Sometimes we get inwards looking. You know, we're so focused on what we do, how we perform, that we don't stop to realize that sharing the gospel is nothing to do with us. It's about what God's going to do. Sometimes it's priority confusion. You know, when we prioritize certain things over other things, and even when we've got the best intentions, sometimes we get this wrong. Now, there, there are things that we need to prioritize, you know, like spending time with Jesus, you know, reading God's word, worshiping. But sometimes we think going for a coffee or a pint with a mate, 
it's not that important, but it's in them moments that God can make the world of difference to that person. Sometimes it's misunderstanding. You know, we misunderstand the chance that Jesus gives us. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong talking to mates about the weather, about football, about holidays, but it can't always be surface level. Do you know, sometimes we have to ask those deeper questions and more awkward questions. You know, when we say to someone, like, how are you actually doing? Or, you know, who do you say Jesus is? Or you said you were struggling with that. How's that going? But this comes from relationship because if we're not in relationship together, we're not close together. When you ask them questions, because I've had it, you're just going to close down and you'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Sometimes we're too busy. And again, this links back to our priorities. What are we too busy doing? And I'm not saying it's not good to just chill out now and then and watch a film, but if we're too busy to go to a community group, and you've seen there's hundreds of them, like if we're too busy to go to a community group or meet a mate for a coffee, but we've managed to fit in at least a few hours of TV every day, maybe we need to look at that. Maybe we need to see what's behind it. Remember, no one's ever going to lay on their deathbed and go, I wish I'd worked more hours. I wish I'd watched more box sets. No one's going to say that. And sometimes it's a hard one, but sometimes we're too selfish. And this is a hard one to take because, to be honest, no one wants to admit they're selfish. But loving people, sharing time with people, it will take sacrifice. And I'm guilty of this myself. Sometimes I turn up and meet mates and I'm so focused on me and what I'm doing, what I think God's telling me, where I'm going on holiday, that I forget that I'm with someone else. You know, sometimes we need to be real. If you want to talk about your holidays, it's fine. Talk about your holidays, but don't do this. So where are you going on holiday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, because I'm going here. <laughs> just be honest and say, look, I'm doing this on my holiday. What about you? And step back and just listen. We sometimes think that we're doing our bit of sharing the gospel because we're doing good things for people, loving and serving people. But the truth is, the gospel needs to be spoken. It needs actual words to tell to tell people the truth. Otherwise, what we're doing is we're meeting their earthly needs, but we're doing nothing for their salvation. I remember going to a youth club on a council estate that I grew up on. And these guys, as you can imagine, they had to have patience of saints. Like they were dealing with us kids on the council estate. And the complaints they were getting weren't like, oh, can we play a bit more football? Can we stay open? It was like, bruv, what do you mean I can't smoke weed in the building? (laughs) These guys had so much time for us, so much love. But do you know the thing was? I went to that youth club for years. Not one of them guys told me why they were doing what they were doing. None of them told me this good news that they had obviously realized. None of them shared the gospel with me. And I'm not judging them because, honestly, these guys were amazing. But we just need to be aware sometimes that if we don't tell people, then we do meet, obviously, their their earthly needs, but they're destined for an eternity separated from Jesus in hell. That's how much of a big deal it is. The sobering reality is 150,000 Europeans die every week without knowing Jesus. If we can get, can we get that picture up? There we go. That's a picture of 150,000 Europeans. Look at that. That's how many people are dying Every week without knowing Jesus. That's 650,000 a month or 7.8 million Europeans die every year without knowing the love, the comfort, the support of Jesus. And it's really easy to look at a picture like that and think, 
where do I start? Like, what can I do? How can I make a dent there? But remember, at one point, we was all that one in the crowd. And Jesus doesn't view it like that. He cares about everyone, every single one. And that's why he gives us this good news to share with people. Remember, it's not us who saves. It's Jesus. All we need to do as a church is be obedient to what God's telling us. And I'm so grateful that someone did finally tell me about the gospel because my wife had become a Christian. She, she started telling me about the gospel and then we wanted to get married at New Community and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't coming to church at all and they said, look, we're going to send a married couple around from church you know, to make sure you're getting married for the right reasons. Honestly, I thought this guy's going to rock up. He's going to be like Doc Cotton. He's just going to start throwing Bible verses at me. <laughs> and I remember Tony Dark turned up. But he was normal. <laughs> so you lot laugh, but... Tony was normal. I see people thinking it, might not, it must be a different Tony, but it wasn't. Tony was normal because he didn't start throwing Bible verses at me. What he'd done was he started talking to me about football. He started talking to me about Jesus meeting with him when he was around my age in his early 20s and how it had changed his life. So then I started thinking, well, my wife's telling me this good news of this guy called Jesus and this random guy at my house now is telling me, Maybe there's something in this. So I went and done an alpha course to find out if this good news was as good as they said. I met with Jesus. Completely changed my life. Remember, we're part of a link in a chain. The good news of Jesus, it didn't start with us and it's not going to end with us. God uses ordinary people like me and you to share this good news with people. That's the mission that we've been called to. And it's done in two ways. We get to be proactive or we get to be reactive. So proactive, sometimes we need to be intentional. You know, what we do, where we go, who we spend our time with. I remember a few weeks ago, my pal Tom got me and five other guys um, together to go for a prayer walk on the estate that we live on. And it was like 8.30 Saturday morning. Anyone who knows me, 8.30 Saturday morning, not in the same sentence. I even... <laughs> I even phoned him up at quarter past eight and said, bro, if you know me, I'm running late. Like, I'll see you at 8.45. But there were six of us. We got together and we was like, well, what do we do? And Tom was like, look, let's just walk through the estate and just pray that God gives us an opportunity to share the gospel. And we didn't know what that looked like. We didn't know if we was going to meet someone then or we was going to meet someone when we took our kids around the park or on a school run. But God doesn't have those worries. It's like he was like, shh, just walk. Just walk. And we bump into this woman. She's walking her dogs. And she goes like, what's going on here then? I mean, I'm from a council state. The only time you see six guys in the morning is, it's either well dodgy or they're old Bill. And like, <laughs> and I, I remember saying to her like, no, we're Christians. We're doing a prayer walk. <laughs> and she just stood there with her dogs. She was like, no, really, what are you doing here? And we was like, no, seriously, that's what we're doing. She was like, well, where do you live then? I was like, well, I live on Maystone Road. And Tom was like, I live around there. And the other guys were like, I live here and there. And then she started opening up. She started telling us about her experience or non-experience of Jesus. And that she'd been to churches, but she didn't think she was worthy enough to go inside. So she just stood outside the church when everyone was meeting. So the guys I was with was like, no, 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 that's not how it is. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you so that you are definitely worthy and you can go inside and that. Then she started telling us about her late husband, telling us about prayers that she'd made in the past, telling us about she carried this random Bible verse around with her. At the end of talking with her for 40 minutes, we got to pray with her. 
Now, I have no idea if she met with Jesus, but I do know that if we ask God for opportunities to share the gospel, he'll definitely give them to us. If we rely on the Holy Spirit, he will give us the words to say. And it's not us that saves people. So when we feel them feelings of fear and pressure, we just need to remember it's God that does the saving. We're just the ones being obedient. Then we get to be reactive. You know, we react to what's going on around us. And this comes with time. The main thing about being reactive is it's got to be who we are. It's not just what we say. It is who we are. If we're living and speaking the gospel often, then we see that everywhere we go, we're on mission. You know, where we go to the supermarket, go to the pub, go to work, friends, family. We get the chance to share this good news of Jesus with people. And I don't mean thinking of good Bible verses to drop into conversation, but I mean being the people that God created us to be. So many of us have this image of these people radically living for Jesus are the ones that go off to foreign lands to risk their lives to tell people about Jesus. And it's true, there are people doing that. I've got friends who have left this church and gone to start a church in Berlin. There are people doing that, but because you live in Sidcup, don't discount yourself. You know, the person who doesn't compromise in certain groups, you know, they're the same on a Sunday as they are down a pub on a Wednesday. That's radically living for Jesus. The person who is not ashamed of the fact that Jesus has transformed their life and they're happy to tell anyone and everyone who will listen. That's radically living for Jesus. The person who won't have sex with their partner before marriage because they really do believe in what God says. That's radically living for Jesus. Or the person who sees someone struggling in Morrison's with their bags and says, look, can I help? And you end up telling them about Jesus. That's radically living for Jesus. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more we understand that there's nothing we can do to earn his love. That's unconditional. But he wants us to live in the fullness of his love. And that's where we go from sharing this gospel to living this gospel. Mark 1.17 says, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is what Jesus says to the first disciples. And it's the same thing as he says to us today. The game has never changed. You know, God doesn't want us to be on the sidelines. Anyone that knows me knows when it comes to sports and that, I don't do sidelines. Even if I can't play, I want to be involved. And that's what God wants from us. But he also wants us to remember, we don't know when the game ends. You know, we have to live with a bit of urgency. We can't always think, oh, I'll do that next time. Oh, there's always tomorrow. Because... The reality is, this might be the last time I I get to do this. This might be the last time you ever see me. I remember reading a book a few years ago called Crazy Love. Chapter two was called, You Might Not Make It Through This Chapter. (laughs) When I read it, I thought, I must be really boring and I was like, (laughs) but he was talking about the urgency, about we might not be, you know, we might be here tomorrow. And honestly, this this is the truth. My wife turned around to me and said, oh, can you, two weeks till Christmas, I turned around and said, yeah, it's going to be amazing, but I might not be here. (laughs) She was like, what do you mean you won't be here? I was like, well, I've been reading this book and I just don't know how long God's given me. She turned around and said, don't even think about telling the kids this. (laughs) I might have gone a bit overboard, but it was true. I just don't know how long God's given me. 
Them numbers I, plucked, I, I, I mentioned earlier, I didn't just pluck them from the sky. There are thousands of people dying without knowing Jesus. The thing is, how many people do we know right now? People that we're around, people that we spend time with, that we're in that crowd, are in that crowd. We need the Holy Spirit. Without him, our strength, our wisdom will only go so far. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit daily. We need help to pray, to worship, to read our Bible, especially when we share the gospel. It says in Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we need to be saying this gospel to ourselves every day, reminding ourselves of how good this news is, how much Jesus has actually done and how much he's changed our lives. We need to be doing this before we even think about doing anything else because if we forget how good this news is, how can we share it with anyone else? We need to be real. And this is so important. I've had to learn this over the years in so many different ways and it's not fun. I mean, we don't try and be fake. It's just sometimes we get changed and shaped by the people around us instead of Jesus. And it's not that the people around us are not walking closely with God. It's just that's not who God's created you to be. You know, I remember coming to church and hearing things as like, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And I remember telling someone about my life and I told them about growing up on a council estate in Bermondsey and getting involved in taking drugs and selling drugs. And he turned around and he was like, oh, I can relate. I was like, serious? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen Top Boy. I'm like, I'm telling you my life. You're talking to me about TV program. But then what happened was I instantly thought, there's no one like me here. So what I started to do is I started to change into the people I started seeing around me. And there was lots of normal things that people were doing. You know, we'd never formally been invited to someone's house for dinner. And I remember the first time they invited us, I said, like, do you want to come over for dinner? Me and my wife said, have we done something wrong? <laughs> like, they was like, no. I was like, well, why do you want us over your house for dinner? I was like, just to have dinner. Like... But it went deeper than that. It, it got a lot worse. I started changing the way that I spoke. I started changing the way that I dressed. I started changing my mannerisms. I started to forget who I was in Christ. Our stories are all different. And that's all right. Because God will use each of us in different ways to reach different people. And if we really want to grow in the gospel and radically change our life for Jesus, we need to look at how we're sharing the gospel. And I, I think we find ourselves in one of four stages. And I heard this recently, and I, I really felt that God wanted me to share it. Now, before I start, these titles, I think they're a bit brutal. If I was smart enough, I would have reworded them for you, but I'm not. So it is what it is. First of all, we get unconscious incompetence. I told you. This is where we don't know that we don't know. We may even feel overwhelmed by how much of the Bible or the gospel we don't understand, but we try and hide it because no one likes to think that they don't know everything, but we've missed it. We've missed how important the gospel is and how powerful it actually is. Then we, then we realize this and we move to 
conscious incompetence. So we're, we're aware of what we don't know. We start to realize that there's a massive difference be, between reading the words of God and actually doing what it says. We start to see how much this world has a massive influence on who we are. It was like we were blind, but now we can see. And this is where we, we might start reading more of God's word, maybe reading commentaries so you can go that bit deeper to hear what God is saying. Coming closer to the Holy Spirit. And then we move to conscious competence. This is when we're actually practicing sharing the gospel. You know, when it gets to that point when someone says, I've got a really good idea on how to handle money and your instant reaction is like, well, what does the gospel say about that? And this is where we get more repetition because we're, we're practicing it and we're doing it more and more and, it, and we need to listen and be close to the Holy Spirit. And it's not to say that it's not scary, but that's why at this stage we share and then we share and then we share and then we share and then the more we share, the different things that God reveals in different times it's like training new muscles. And then we get to unconscious competence. You know, this is that stage when it becomes like second nature. You know, like golf. Like, I don't play golf, but I understand that you don't just rock up and whack the ball. You need to get in that weird kind of stance. Or like, if you watch Ronaldo take a free kick, you know he takes three steps back, one to the left. He stands with his hands on his hips. You know he could take that with his eyes closed. It's like breathing. That's where we could be as the people of God. We are living and preaching the gospel to ourselves every day that we can't help but share this good news of Jesus with people. We don't overthink it. It's just who we are. We understand that we're not perfect. We've got loads of flaws. We've made loads of mistakes. We're making loads of mistakes. We're going to make loads of mistakes, but we understand that God will still use us to break into lives to people around us. We're just happy to be part of the adventure. To move between these different stages is hard. I mean, it's going to take time and discipline. We need to really rely on the Holy Spirit, not just here and there, but all of the time. There will be times where we think, you know what? It was just easier when I never knew. Or when I just rocked up at church and I tithed and I just sat on the sidelines and let everybody else crack on. Being disciples who make disciples will be challenging, but remember... We don't do this on our own. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got the word of God. We've got our church family. And this is why it's so important to be in a community. You know, these community groups are not just set up because people are bored in the week. It's important to be together, living and preaching the gospel together. That's what helps us grow. That's when we become not just hearers of the word. We start to become doers of the word. Over the years, I've had loads of mates that said to me, Frank, I can't follow Jesus. All them rules, all them commandments. I'm usually like, what commandments? Don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery. What kind of weekend did you have planned? It's like... <laughs> the truth is, following Jesus isn't a bunch of rules and restrictions. It's about his unconditional love and forgiveness. It's about accepting that we've all sinned. We've chosen to go our own way. And at one point, we've just all said, God, I don't need you. And God can't allow sin to go unpunished because he's holy. He's also, thankfully, so merciful 
that instead of punishing us rightly for our wrongs, he sends his one and only son to die in our place. And he, just, he doesn't just send the son, Jesus. Jesus willingly takes part in the plan. Jesus come to earth as a baby, grew up and lived a sinless life so that we wouldn't have to. Then he gets betrayed, beaten, tortured and crucified on the cross for what we've done like he's a criminal. And he could have stopped it at any moment, but he didn't because that's how much he loves us. He loves us so much, he was willing to take our place. The Bible says he actually became sin on our behalf so that we would become the righteousness of God. His death paid for us so we would be made right. Then Jesus raised from the dead. He came back to life. Death couldn't hold him back because he'd never sinned. He defeated our sin and defeated death. And now amazingly, he gives us eternal life. For us who know Jesus here today, we're going to live forever with God. We're going to heaven and we're being made more and more like Jesus every day. He offers us this joy that can't be taken away by the world. Peace that can't be explained. We know who we are. We know why we were created. And we know where we're going. We are loved by God. This is the best news that we could ever hear. This is the gospel. And when we understand it, we believe it. And when we believe it, we live it. And when we live it, we're going to want to share it. You know, I wasn't going to end with this, but I just felt the Holy Spirit during me talking, just thought, you know, it'd be good to actually explain a bit, you know, of, of how much the gospel means to me. You know, yesterday, my wife had taken the kids out and um, I was indoors on my own. And I thought, oh, I'd look at my talk one more time and before that, I thought, you know what, I just want to spend time in God's presence. I want to worship. And I was there on my own and I was worshiping. And then I just got overwhelmed by how much God has done for me. I just started crying. Like for people that know me, no, I don't cry. Like my wife's been with me 13 years. She's seen me cry three times. And two of them were because people died. I mean, I don't cry, but I couldn't stop crying remembering how much God has done, with, done for me. Then I picked up my Bible and I randomly opened it. And this is one of them Bibles where, you know, you can write in the side and I just opened it to a random page and I'd written this months ago. It's the first page of the Gospel of John and I'd written on the side, the life that we've been given through Jesus should be a light. Not that we're perfect, but we should bring light into darkness. And then I've written, being continuously filled with the Holy Spirit should be prayed for daily. God's reminding me of how much, like, I'm in no way, shape or form, perfect. The finished article, I'll never be. And I, I, I get that. Like, no one will ever be the finished article. But God loves me so much that he sent his only son. Obviously, it brought me to tears. It overwhelmed me of how much it actually means to me. My life, you know, if, if I wish some of you had actually known me for how I used to be, like, my life is light and dark because that's who we are now. Like, I was living in darkness, but now I live in light because of Jesus. Nothing that I've done, I'm hidden in Jesus. You know, when God looks at me, he doesn't see my mess, all my problems, all the things I can't say, the things I don't understand. He just sees Jesus. That's the reality of what we get. If Jesus is knocking on the door today, then it's time to open. If Jesus, if Jesus is part of your life, then 
there's a big difference. We need to understand that when he says to do something, he's not, it's not a suggestion. He's saying, look, do it. But don't worry, I'm with you. We'll do it together. You know, I think today would be really nice to end by maybe getting into like people around you, small groups, and just praying together. You know, praying that God would remind us of how much he's done for us, that the Holy Spirit would fill us up. And maybe whatever you think God's going to do next, remember, he's going to be with you. He's going to do it. You're going to do it together. Amen.